Welcome to the Happy Whole You Podcast. I'm Anna Marie Frank, your brain health and wellness expert. Here we talk about all things wellness with a focus on how your brain functions. So the daily impact of our physical, nutritional, financial, even spiritual lives, how they impact our brain, including how we navigate all of our relationships on a daily basis, all have a major impact on how our brain functions. So get ready to rewire your biology and your brain because we have a lot of great information ahead. You guys, I have a special guest today, Ben Azadi, and he is the man when it comes to keto. He's actually on a mission to help 1 billion people live a healthier lifestyle. He's a former obese man who is now the author of three best-selling books, The Perfect Health Booklet, The Intermittent Fasting Cheat Sheet, and The Power of Sleep. So let's dive in. All right, Ben, thank you for joining me today. Dr. Anna, I'm grateful to be here with you and your awesome audience. (laughs) So I reached out to you because our audience, we have never done a podcast on keto and you are the man for keto. And so thank you for graciously sharing your time with us and your knowledge. And so I would love to jump right in. But first, if you could let the audience know a little bit about you and how did keto get introduced to your life? Yeah, and I'm grateful to be the first keto guest on your show. That's awesome. So when I I grew up in America, born and raised here, followed a standard American diet, which is, you know, very toxic, highly processed foods. My parents were divorced when I was younger, so I was pretty much left to my own devices. And I adopted really bad lifestyle habits. Of course, eating a bad diet, a standard American diet was one of them, but also video game addictions, drug addictions, sugar addictions, toxic environment. And this transferred into my adulthood. When I, back in 2008, I found myself being a 250 pound obese man who was lost in life, depressed, suicidal, wanting to give up on life, very much unhealthy physically, but also mentally obese as well. And I didn't know what direction to go towards, but I knew I was not going to take my life because every time I kept thinking about that, I kept also thinking about my mother and what she would have to deal with. And it stopped me from pursuing that. So I was in this vicious circle for months, wanting to end my life, stopping myself back and forth, back and forth. until I started to actually read books. Uh, A friend of mine, a best friend handed me a book, which led to two books, five books and 10 books. And I just got obsessed with reading amazing authors like Dr. Wayne Dyer and Bob Proctor and Earl Nightingale and Jim Rohn and all these legends that really made a big difference for me when I needed it the most. But the books did a lot for me. The the biggest thing the books did for me was help me take ownership and responsibility over my circumstances. Because up until that point, I was blaming my genetics. I was blaming my enabling family members. I was blaming my environment. I was the victim of my history, but the books helped me take responsibility and I became the victor of my destiny. And that's when I put my foot down. I started to exercise. I started to just change my nutrition habits a bit. Nine months from that moment of taking ownership, I went from 250 pounds down to 170 pounds, 34% body fat down to 6% body fat, 38 waist down to size 30. So I finally carved out this physical six pack that being a kid that was bullied and picked on, I always dreamed of that. But the most important thing that I believe I achieved 
now to this day as well is a mental six pack. I started to think better thoughts and I started to understand how important those thoughts are for your health and for your future and for your life in general. And that's what got me started in the health space. I became a personal trainer and then a certified health coach. I opened up a CrossFit gym, sold a CrossFit gym, and I was still exploring true cellular health because although I lost the weight, I was still one of those fit, sick people. I had digestive issues. I had acne. I didn't feel that great, although I had six-pack abs, but that's not synonymous with health. So I was exploring different diets. I did the vegan diet for a year and a half, which which failed me, especially the last eight months of doing it. And this was back in 2013. I was transitioning away from the vegan diet. And then I started to research ketosis, ketones, ketone bodies, intermittent fasting, fasting strategies. And it was really mind-blowing to me because it made a lot of sense that our cells are kind of hardwired to go through periods of times in ketosis and intermittent fasting. So that's when I went all in with keto and fasting. And that was 2013, 2014. I've learned a lot ever since. And I've been on a mission here with my company to get the word out to uh, 1 billion people on planet Earth. So that's where it all started. Wow. So much great stuff that you said there that I think so many people can relate to. And one of the most powerful things that I think you said is that like you took ownership and you quit blaming and so much of your story I can relate to as well. And, you know, you can have the six pack abs, but if you're not mentally strong and with that six pack mindset, you know, honestly, I always say you can exercise all day long, eat a lot of kale, but until you get your brain right, I mean, it's mm-hmm. a whole nother ball game. So bravo to you for using other people's, you know, work. I mean, that's a beautiful thing about books. And I know you've written books like Keto Flex and you share your knowledge. And I think that that is so powerful for people to really dive into books. And the beautiful thing is now we have Audible, right? So you don't even have to read. Those authors will read directly to you and they're going to take all their knowledge that they've accumulated thus far and put it in, you know, this book. That's so, such a blessing, but okay. So you've gotten on this, you know, keto diet that really speaks to you and it works for you. Now, can you share with the audience the difference between dirty keto and clean keto? Because I think that that's something that I hear a lot about, and it'd be great for you to kind of like explain to people the difference between the two. Very important difference. So it's a great question. When you look at studies or even some doctors and nutritionists and dietitians who say keto is so bad for you, it's going to cause X, Y, Z. You know what? A lot of them are right when they're looking at dirty keto, when they're looking at people who are eating inflammatory fats. And I'll get into that in a shortly, but when I, the way I view keto is not as a diet per se, but as a metabolic process. And every single one of our ancestors did keto. That's a fact. Their environment forced them into ketosis. And then when they had the opportunity, they flexed out, hence keto flex. So I love keto. I think ketosis is great. But I don't think it's a long-term play. I think it's important to use it as one tool, but not the only tool. And we could talk more about that later if you want. But clean keto and dirty keto. There is a whole set of keto-friendly foods that are even worse in terms of causing inflammation, worse than sugar. And some might say cigarettes. And these are the vegetable oils, industrial seed oils. And a lot of people who do keto... They're consuming even more of these vegetable oils. It's, it's estimated that the average American 
is getting about 30 to 40% of their total fats or total calories, excuse me, from these seed oils. And you could probably estimate that's higher with somebody doing keto because obviously you're eating more fat. So these are canola oil, soybean oil, cottonseed oil, grapeseed oil, rice bran oil, sunflower oil, and there's a few others that are not as bad, like grapes, uh, excuse me, uh, peanut oil could be, depends if it's unrefined or refined. But these are industrial seed oils that create massive amounts of inflammation. They impair the mitochondria. The body cannot use them as an energy source. So they end up sticking around for a long time. They're very unstable. They have these double bonds that are really close to each other, which attracts oxygen. And it just creates inflammation around your cells and receptor sites that lingers on for weeks and sometimes even months. They're all keto-friendly, Anna. They could get you in ketosis, but they're not going to get you healthy. So that is dirty keto. What I would also throw into the dirty keto group is artificial sweeteners, uh, sucralose, aspartame, Splenda. These are not healthy, but they're found in a lot of keto foods, which can be inflammatory. They could cause a glucose response. They could lead to more cravings. I would throw that into that category of dirty keto as well. And then even eating a lot of cow dairy can also be dirty keto and uh, grain fed cows and just animals that were tortured. That's all on the dirty keto side. Now let's talk about clean keto. And it's important to understand that you do the best you can with your resources. You know, if you don't have the financial means to get all the quality stuff, do the best you can and you'll get better and better at it. But what we want to do is eat stable fats, saturated fats, saturated fats, monounsaturated fats, fats that are going to support your cells and reduce inflammation. So healthier oils are going to be avocado oil, olive oil, coconut oil, MCT oil, even real butter like grass-fed butter, grass-fed ghee, even duck fat, like duck fat is terrific. And even lard, let's bring back lard into the mix. These are stable fats. They have single bonds, less (laughs) inflammatory, So that's going to be clean keto, of course, with like organic meats and poultry, et cetera. Wow. That's great. I am like a huge fan of avocado oil because you can actually cook it at higher temperatures and it doesn't turn to trans fat. So I think that is a good one to cook with because a lot of people cook with extra virgin olive oil and it can't withstand the heat and they don't even realize what, you know, because fats are not very stable and you got to take care of them. So that is great information. I love all of that. Thank so you. what would be like if someone is doing keto and they feel like, no, I'm doing keto and I'm doing a really good job. What are some signs that maybe they're doing keto wrong? A common thing that I see, especially in the beginning, as you become fat adapted away from being a sugar burner is what's called the keto flu. And the keto flu kind of gives keto a bad reputation, but it's more accurately should be described carbohydrate withdrawal symptoms, right? If you go too fast into keto and you don't replenish your electrolytes, you're not going to feel good as you make that transition. So I like a a nice gradual transition, slowly decreasing your carbs, slowly increasing your fat and protein while you're increasing your electrolytes. So you might get a headache. You might feel like you have a cold or a flu if you do it too soon, but you don't have to go through that if you make a nice gradual transition. That's one mistake or one thing you might experience if you do it the wrong way. A second thing is digestive issues can be very common, especially in the beginning. The main reason for that is because when we think about what helps break down fat, it's bile produced by the liver. The liver is the soccer mom organ. She does everything for us. And a lot of people have beat up their liver throughout their entire lifetime from toxins, uh, medications, alcohol, you name it, processed foods. So now they produce this thick, sluggish bile 
and they cannot break down the extra fat that they're eating. Plus, there's a detoxification effect to bile as well. So I love bitters, bitter for the liver. There's a whole list of, of food, bitter foods that I put in my book, but arugula, dandelion greens, apple cider vinegar, lemons and limes, even organic coffee could be a bitter. Radishes, radicios, there's a few others out there, but bitters are going to be very important along with increasing your electrolytes as you make that transition. So you feel really good as you enter uh, ketosis. That is such a great point. And I think that in America, because everything that really what we do is based on whoever's the highest bidder, right? Who's paying for the advertising to get our attention. And when it comes to electrolytes, if you ask the average American, how can you get electrolytes in your body? They're going to say a sports drink, (laughs) right? Yeah. (laughs) They don't even realize that you can eat, you know, an apple or, you know, arugula or spinach or things like that to give you those electrolytes. So I think that that's a great point that you made. You have to mix in those greens and you have to have, you know, those veggies. It's just, it's so important. So what about like, is there a certain period of time you should do keto or is this something you do always and forever? What I'm sure you get that question a lot. Like how long do I do this for? What do you recommend? For most people who don't have like type two diabetes or insulin resistance, they're not dealing with some of those symptoms, then I I recommend about 60 to 90 days of strict ketosis in the beginning, just to get your body fat adapted. But then we want to get them keto adapted, which is there's different processes. Fat adaptation means you're burning fat primarily instead of sugar, which is great. It's a cleaner source of energy. But it isn't until like the eight to 12 week mark of really strict ketosis doing keto that now you're keto adapted. And now the brain is using ketones like really efficiently. Your mitochondria are using ketones and it just turns on the brain and you really experience and maximize those ketone benefits. After you get to that point, 60 to 90 days in, then I think it's great to start flexing. And there's going to be different protocols depending if you're a woman who has a monthly cycle versus a postmenopausal woman versus a man versus somebody who's active. But flexing is just simply keto flexing just means you're having a strategic, higher, healthy carb day, a feast day where you're intentionally getting yourself out of ketosis with high healthy carbs, more protein and less fat on that day. And if you've done this the right way, you're now more metabolically flexible to get right back into ketosis when you do keto within 48 hours. And I think that's the ultimate goal. Now, if you reach that point, 60 to 90 days, but you still have insulin resistance and type two diabetes, you might want to stay in ketosis a little bit longer as you heal some of that metabolism. But eventually there's going to be a point when you want to start flexing. I'm not a big fan of long-term ketosis. It's not sustainable. If there's some issues with it, especially with the thyroid. And I've also seen it create weight loss resistance because the body goes into this preservation mode. So flexing is really going to be important for most people. Oh, I think you just like made so many people happy. Like they like <laughs> to have that wiggle room, right? Like we yeah. all need wiggle room. You guys, I wanted to take a quick break to remind you, you can go to happyholeyou.com and you can get your brain nutraceuticals, get our books, also some high vibe items, as well as learn about our life guide coaching programs. And Use the code PODCAST5 to get 5% off the entire store. And I wanted to remind you about our brain nutraceuticals and how they are each a two-month supply. We actually are really working on creating a sustainable product 
All of our products have multiple active ingredients in them. We are saving on plastics. We are saving on our carbon footprint. And let's just jump right into Happy You. And I'm just going to share with you the ingredients in Happy You and how they are going to impact your body and help with your mood. So one of the first ingredients we have is our B6, which B6 is an important coenzyme that helps with the production of serotonin. You actually need B6 and tryptophan to even think about beginning to make the feel-good hormone serotonin. Also B12 we have in here, and it plays a vital role in red blood cell production, iron levels, and overall transportation of oxygen to all of your cells. We have 5-MTHF, which is really also known as folate. It's another B vitamin, and it has a significant positive impact on the biochemical reactions that regulate our cardiovascular system, our neurological system, reproductive system, and detoxification systems. Also, it specifically has reactions related to our DNA production, histamine metabolism, estrogen metabolism, eye health, fat metabolism, cellular energy, and liver health. Also, we have 5-HTP in this product, which is an agent that helps in the synthesis of serotonin. We have our holy basil, an adaptogen, an anti-inflammatory, and antioxidant herb that is very calming. We also have our magnesium glyconate, and there are many different types of magnesiums. As you guys probably know, we talk about it, but glyconate has special powers to help with mood and bowel movements. And then we have our magnesium alpha-reonate, which has special powers to cross the blood-brain barrier. And last but not least, we have tryptophan in our happy you. And this is the amino acid that is converted into serotonin in the body. And it also helps the body make proteins and certain brain signaling chemicals. So super, super important. Then if we dive into our Bright You, you guys probably already know Bright You is full of anti-inflammatory properties. We have turmeric, decaffeinated green tea. We have ashwagandha, red pack ginseng, resveratrol, magnesium L-threonate, all in one single bottle, one single formula that's going to help with focusing. It's also going to have anti-inflammatory properties and neuroprotective properties as well. And then we have our Calm You. So this is the wonderful formula. It's just going to like chill you out without making you tired, without making you sleepy. And we have different magnesiums in this. So we have the magnesium malate in our Calm You, and it has special powers to calm the mind. And then we also have the magnesium L3 and 8. Magnesium L3 and 8 is in all three of our products because as you know, we've talked about it, magnesium L3 and 8 crosses the blood-brain barrier. Super, super important for brain health. Then we also have our B6 in um, our Calm You as well. As you know, an important enzyme that helps with the production of serotonin. We have GABA, which is this naturally occurring amino acid that works as a neuro transmitter in your brain. We also have lemon balm extract, and this is a calming herb, and it has the added benefits to help with anxiousness, ADD, ADHD symptoms. And we also have L-theanine, another amino acid found in plants, and it promotes relaxation without drowsiness. And then last but not least, we have our holy basil in the Calm You, which is an adaptogen, anti-inflammatory, antioxidant properties, and it's also a calming herb. So you guys, jump over to happyholeyou.com, grab yourself the brain nutraceuticals that are going to work for you. Use the code PODCAST5 to get 5% off your entire order of anything you purchase. And also, you can take the quiz online to figure out what brain nutraceutical would work best 
for your brain type. All right, let's dive back in. It's just super important. <laughs> it's sustainable, okay. right? You get yes. to enjoy yourself, go to a wedding and have, you know, your carbohydrates or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm definitely the type of person, like I'm not, I don't like any extremes. I like, I feel like there's this balance that we should keep. And when we go to one extreme, then we're going to, you know, rubber band back into another extreme. And then we can mm-hmm. keep going back and forth, which is is not good. So what about like, say there is somebody, they are virgin keto. They've never done this before. Like where does someone even start because the biggest thing that I want to point out is that whenever we start some type of diet or exercise program or anything that comes to our health and fitness, we shouldn't go to our cousin Eddie, who is, you know, necessarily doing keto on and off, or, you know, it's like, if you need financial advice, you're not going to go to your neighbor who, you know, is, is broke as well and ask for financial advice. So, Where do you recommend people go? Because I think that it's super important that we go to professionals that understand, you know, the biology and what's going on with people from a cellular level. But yeah, where, where do we start? Yes. Great question. And I agree. You don't ask somebody who doesn't have the fruit on their tree. You got to make sure they have the results that you're seeking. Otherwise, I don't think we should listen to them. So great point there. In my book, I have my steps, right? My four pillar approach to doing this long term. But I could get, I would say, 98% of people in ketosis within 14 days without any of the side effects with two simple steps. Do you want me to share those two simple steps with your audience, Anna? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) First step is to, before you make any changes, track how many total carbohydrates you're currently having on your nutrition plan. You could use a free app. There's several free apps out there. You could just go on Dr. Google as well. The average American is eating about 300 grams of carbs per day. So the first step is to every single day, decrease your total carbohydrates by about 20%. So if you're eating 300 grams, let's bring it maybe down to like 250 grams. And then the next day, 200 grams. Eventually you want to get to a point where you're taking your total carbohydrates below 50 grams for the entire day. So that could be like a five to seven day or maybe even longer approach, but don't do it overnight. Five to seven days is a good approach. That's the first step. At the same time, which is the second step, you want to follow the 2222 rule, which I outline in my book. I got it from my mentor, Dr. Daniel Pampa. And that is every single day, as you start off, you want to consume two tablespoons of avocado oil or olive oil, two tablespoons of coconut oil or MCT oil, two tablespoons of grass fed butter and grass fed ghee. And then two teaspoons of sea salt. For the first 14 days, hit that 2222 rule. Gradually decrease your carbs. And in about seven to 14 days, I would say 98% of people who follow this will be in ketosis with none of the side effects. Dang, I feel like that is doable. You just made that (laughs) so simple. (laughs) It is doable. Oh, that's great. Now, is there anybody that should not do keto? Uh, Well, there's always considerations, right? If you have the APOE4 gene and you're susceptible to specific conditions, you might want to just be specific with the fats that you're eating, have more monounsaturated versus saturated. I believe everybody can benefit from being in ketosis. Now, the length of that will depend on the person, but I really believe every single human can benefit from it. I mean, if you're a kid, if you're a growing kid, 
and you need to put on weight. You might not want to do keto. You might want to kind of be like a cyclical keto. You might be already a fat burner because you're so active. But as an adult, I think everybody could benefit from a state of ketosis. It's just a metabolic process. And if you do it the right way, it's going to downregulate inflammation. It's going to help heal so many conditions. So I do believe every person could benefit from it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, if we go back millennia, we're supposed to be in ketosis, right? Exactly. Like, we all did it. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. So what else do you want to share with our audience about keto? Well, when we think about the human body, there is about 50 to 70 trillion cells in the body. But out of those trillion cells, we only have two options for fuel, essentially. Either the cells and the mitochondria are burning sugar, glucose, or they're burning fat and using ketones. When we're stuck burning sugar, like I was when I was obese, and it's estimated that probably 88% of Americans are metabolically inflexible, aka sugar burners. When your cells stuck burning sugar, it's highly inflammatory. It creates a lot of toxins because cells produce energy via mitochondria and ATP. And that energy that's produced creates toxins. A healthy cell could get rid of those toxins and it's a great process, but if you're producing a lot of toxins, there's going to be inflammation around the cells and receptor sites. And now it's going to be difficult to get bad stuff out and good stuff in. And that's what it's like when you're burning sugar and always burning sugar. So I compare a sugar burner to a Mack truck, a picture of Mack truck speeding through your streets with all this smoke being blasted out of the exhaust pipe. The Mack truck is not healthy for the surrounding environment. Well, when your cells are burning sugar and only sugar, it's not healthy for your cellular environment. So what we want to do and how we could use keto is to teach the body to get fat adapted and burn fat, which is a cleaner source of fuel for your cellular environment. I compare that to a Tesla. That Tesla is going to be a cleaner source of energy versus the Mack truck for the surrounding environment. So that's what keto could do for you. And you could become a fat burner in 14 days. Like you could make this transition from being a sugar burner to a fat burner. Not only is it anti-inflammatory, but also it helps achieve food freedom. You don't have to be handcuffed to eating carbohydrates every two to three hours. The reason a lot of people feel like they need to do that is because they're sugar burners and the brain will panic if the ketones are not there the brain will drop low in glucose and then you'll go into this uh, survival instinct mode. The primal brain will freak out and send the body intense cravings for sugar to get that glucose back up in the brain. But when you're a fat burner, all of a sudden the ketones are coming and it calms the brain and now you have a different fuel source, which is actually a good fuel source. So that's you know some of the benefits of what keto can do for your audience. I love that. I just think back like, almost two decades ago when I started in this industry and it was eat every two to three hours, eat breakfast. It's the most important meal of the day. And it's like, well, you have to do that if you are a sugar burner. And so there is, you know, I always feel better when I do some type of fast and I really skip breakfast more now than ever. And if I do eat breakfast, I'm like having half of an avocado with some hot sauce. That's like my fast oh, nice. go-to, right? I always tell people, I'm like, fast food is can be healthy, right? Like, it. how long does it take you to slice open an avocado and throw some hot sauce on there? Like 30 seconds, super easy. Yeah, good point. Uh, so with that, what are your favorite keto foods that are like easy Someone could just pick it up and it's a great way to just like add it into their diet to start. 
What you, I love avocados. I've never really tried it with hot sauce. It's interesting. Now nah, I want to try that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> avocados and eggs are terrific. Eggs are quick to make. You could also buy them, you know, hard boiled. But you want to make them yourself if you can. Soft boiled is better than hard boiled if you could do that. Protein shakes are easy to make. I like a uh, high quality, grass fed, cold processed uh, collagen protein powder with some maybe macadamia nut milk or coconut milk and some you could throw in a half avocado in your protein shake it gives it i love macadamia nut milk i'm so glad costco carries that now like i i've been using that now for like six months and it is my go-to love it for the great morning yeah exactly i like it better than almond uh almond milk because almond milk has more oxalates and it has a higher omega-6 to omega-3 ratio so macadamia nut milk has a better profile that's something you do. And then if it's like dinner, I, I, I do really well with, with red meat. I love grass-fed beef. So whether it's burgers or a piece of steak with some green leafy vegetables, like that's a great go-to for me. A piece of maybe 12-ounce ribeye grass-fed, grass-finished steak with some sautéed arugula or not sautéed spinach or some spinach and mushrooms or some sort of green leafy vegetable. So those are some of my go-tos. But there's so many things you could have on keto. The main thing is to avoid those industrial seed oils. I rather have somebody eat sugar than those seed oils because at least you could burn off the sugar with exercise. You can't burn off those seed oils. So that's the main thing you want to avoid. Wow, that's that's a powerful statement. Wow. Yeah, I, <laughs> I stand by it. <laughs> so I feel fortunate because in our community, there is a family that they do grass-fed beef and they finish uh, the beef with carrots. Wow. Um, you have a higher nutrition profile there. Yeah. And so this is one thing I wanted to share with the audience too. So this is my experience. I have a history of distance running. So running long miles. And I used to have so many problems with my blood sugar just tanking. And mm-hmm. I was programmed to eat a granola bar, eat this, eat that. And once I started probably about five or six years ago, doing more playing with keto, playing with intermittent fasting and really like cutting back on the carbohydrates that I was eating was interesting as my blood sugar actually stabilized. And instead of having a granola bar before I'd go run, I just wouldn't eat anything. And so it, I mean, firsthand, like I was in that sugar train, like that repetitive. I'm, I think I'm hungry or my blood sugar's crashing. And and during that time too is, you know, I was depressed, but I was like exercising all the time. Right. And I was eating what I thought was healthy, but it was way too many carbohydrates. And I think that, you know, for some people you can eat healthy, but if you're eating too much fruit, if you're eating too much carbohydrates, it's just too much. Mm -hmm. And your body will respond with being tired and your blood sugar dropping and shooting way up as well. So keto has been one of those things that I've dipped my toes back and forth in. Intermittent fasting is a staple in my life. I always am doing some type of fasting period um, and it has helped me so much. That's awesome. Yeah, me too. I love fasting and it goes hand in hand with keto because they both do a good job at keeping glucose and insulin low. And you, what you experience is very common, even for athletes, marathon runners, cyclists. If you are metabolically inflexible, then you're not going to have the ability to burn through your sugar reserves, your glycogen stores, and switch over to fat stores. The body will just bunk. And that's why 
the brain keeps saying, go get more sugar, go get more food because you don't have that flexibility. So when somebody says, how do I speed up my metabolism or how can I have a slow metabolism? The fact of the matter is that metabolism doesn't really run in speeds. It runs in efficient or inefficient. So the what we want to do is just have more of an efficient metabolism, aka metabolic flexibility, so we could go and burn sugar whenever we need to, and then go back to burning fat and back and forth. Like that's what we want. That's the ultimate goal. When you're, by the way, when you're too dogmatic with keto, I'm not that way at all. But when you are, to your point about being too much, too extreme, you actually lose that flexibility as well. Because then when you have a higher healthy carb day, but you've been doing, let's say keto for two years in a row, you see this excessive glucose spike and you feel like crap because you, for the first time in two years, hit that one switch. But if you go back and hit that switch every now, every often, every, every month, every week, that's going to give you more flexibility, more fluidity. And that's what we want to do. So uh, to your point, you were somebody who was metabolically inflexible and kudos to you. You've been doing the work that you've been doing and now you're metabolically flexible. And that's the ultimate goal that we want to achieve. Yeah. It's what's interesting is I ran in college and I ended up running faster as a 28 year old woman who had just given birth (laughs) when I started to shift my, my diet. I mean, yeah. And I've gone back and forth with like, I like to play with different diets because I work with so many different people. And, you know, I do believe that it's important to find what works for you. Um, for your lifestyle, for um, your your financial situation, you know, all of it. Um, but I've played with a lot of different diets. And I will say that doing the intermittent fasting and the keto is has proven to me as an athlete to be the most effective for sure. That's awesome. It's a great testimonial. All right. So where can everyone reach out to you, Ben, and, you know, just soak up some more of your knowledge? Thanks for asking. I'd love for your audience to get my book if they really want to learn this four pillar approach. It's 311 pages. I also have an entire chapter, chapter 12, on how to do keto and fasting for women. So I break down week by week if you have a menstrual cycle, how to do this, why you want to actually get out of ketosis those seven days before. Wait a minute. A man that is speaking to women, it's not just a one size fits all. Bravo, Ben. (laughs) Thank you, Anna. Anna. I know you preach that. Yeah, I mean, I've learned that over the years. And thank a lot of my colleagues are brilliant uh, women practitioners. I learned it from them and then also working with women as well. So yes, you know, it's so important to state that you're right. Not you should not do keto uh, the same if you're a woman versus a man. And if it depends on where you are in your life as a woman as well, men could do more aggressive keto, more aggressive fasting. We have a 24 hour hormone recycling pattern, but women, it's not the same thing. So, and it's unfortunate. A lot of the studies out there are not done on women. They're done on men. And it's hard to kind of extrapolate. How do you apply that to women? And so you work with them clinically like you do. And then you actually could see, oh, maybe this is not a good time for them to do fasting and keto, like the seven days before their period, because they need to build progesterone, right? We need to actually eat more carbs. So mm-hmm. the chapter talks about that. And I don't neglect the postmenopausal women. I talk about you as well. The book has been endorsed by uh, my mentor, Dr. Pompa, who wrote the foreword. There's also endorsements from Dr. Jason Fung, Thomas DeLauer, Dr. Mindy Peltz, Dr. Ben Bickman, and a few other legends in our space. So ketoflexbook.com is where you can get it. And I'm on all social media platforms. I have my Keto Camp podcast, which Anna is going to come on uh, next month as well. So if you want to listen to my podcast, I'd love to have you transition over there too. Awesome. Yes. So I'm going to put all of your information in the show notes. So everybody, all you have to do is literally click 
and it'll take you to Ben. It's going to be amazing. And the choice is up to you after that, how far you'll take it. So Ben, thank you so much for joining me today. And yeah, we appreciate you. Appreciate you. Can't wait to have you on my show. Thank you, Anna. Thanks for joining us today, you guys, on this Happy Whole You podcast. We are so stoked that you are listening. And if you have questions or want to reach out to us, you can always email us at info at happyholeyou.com. And you know where to find us at Happy Whole You on Facebook and at Happy Whole You on Instagram. So have a wonderful day. Have a great week. And we will see you soon. Thank you.